last week. I, I did not plan on a series, uh, and I I'm, again feel prompted uh, not to address or to make an emphasis on the issue, because the issue is rarely the issue, and the problem is rarely the problem. The Bible says that our faith, our belief system, our, our firm, reliant, exclusive trust, the level of it, our faith overcomes the whole world. It's the Word of God hid in our heart, the revelation of who God is, the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, how He acted in the Old Testament, how He acted in the New Testament. That historical account is to breed in us a, a, a deep, resonating trust that is not contingent upon or, or minimized by the higher the waves. The higher the waves does not decrease the faith of the Christian, nor does it increase it. It just reveals what it is. And I addressed last week what I thought was going to be a one Sunday subject. The answer to every fear is seeing Christ, where Christ came walking on the water. And he didn't even talk about the storm. He just said, uh, it is I, I am, be not afraid. And that statement, I am here in the hospital when the emergency surgery is necessary. And the family's in the waiting room waiting on the doctor to get there, held up by traffic or uh, it's hard to get him on his pager. And the man's wringing his hands as his wife hangs in the balance. And then the message comes in the waiting room, the doctor's here. In war-torn and famine-laden countries where children, I can't imagine this, dying in the arms of their parents and the planes come by and drop the aid and the food and the people come and dig wells and they say, the food is here, the water is here, the doctors are here, the answer's here. Well, for the believer, I love that word believer, we believe what the world doesn't believe. Therefore, we know what the world doesn't know. Therefore, we see what the world doesn't see. We hear what the world doesn't hear and we experience what the world only can hope for. Jesus said, learn of me and you'll find rest unto your souls. So last Sunday, I talked to you about the answer to every fear, I am, that phrase, I am. And contrary to popular Christian theology, I am has nothing to do with us. It's not a profession. It's not a confession. It is it, uh, that we should say. It is the title of God Almighty. And Jehovah, the self-existent one who chooses to express himself, when he says, I am here, that calms the heart of everyone that hears his voice. It calms the heart of everyone that sees him, that knows him. So last week I talked about the statement, I am here. And this week I've got pretty, it's an intriguing passage, but the message is crystal clear. I am in control. We determine often... And by the way, you'll have a lengthy introduction, short sermon. It'll all even out in the end. It'll be good. Um, we, we assess God being in control by uh, a comfort. We measure it by our comfort, by our ability to see into tomorrow, 
to be able to put details in the proper folder to know what's going on. Uh, if, if we know what's going on, God's in control. If our comfort level hasn't been moved too much, God is in control. If we can see an answer, God is in control. Uh, one of the bumper stickers, I've shared this for years, it tickles me. It says, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, God said it, that settles it. He's in control whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not. And the Bible says that all things are kept by the word of his power. Intricate details, which leads us to our text this morning. So if you're at home or the few we have in the sanctuary today, stand with me for the reading of God's word. Uh, for our new believers, God does not ask us to do that. It's not a requirement. It's just a modern day expression of respect for us. Giving preeminence and authority to his word. Matthew 17, reading out of the Amplified Bible. When they arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the half shekel, the temple tax, went up to Peter and said, does your teacher pay the half shekel? Now just pause right there. Put your hand in, in your Bible. This is a tax that uh, all of the Israelites paid it was partially for their sins, pointing to their need of a temple, their need of a lamb, lambs being killed uh, for sacrifices and yearly by the high priest. It kept the temple going, the maintenance of the building, the funding of the priesthood. And so for them to ask Simon, does Jesus pay the temple tax? They were grouping him with every other Israelite. And Peter answered, yes. Well, Peter didn't. No, he just, have you ever just spoke when you should have been quiet and thought it through? He should have said, why no, he doesn't pay the temple tax. He doesn't need a lamb, he is the lamb. But nonetheless, he answered yes. And when he came home, before Simon could say anything, excuse me, Jesus spoke to him about it first, saying, what do you think, Simon, for whom do earthly rulers collect duties or tribute? From their own sons or from others, not of their own family? And when Peter said, from other people, not of their own family, Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt. It wasn't too long ago that they all heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So sons of the king don't pay temple tax. Sons are exempt. Just keep that thought in mind. However, Jesus said, in order not to give offense and cause them, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious rulers, common, ordinary Israelites, so they won't stumble. That is to say, they wouldn't judge us unfavorably and unjustly. Go down to the sea and throw in a hook, not a net. It doesn't even say there was bait on it. It just says, throw in a hook. Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take it and give it to them and pay the temple tax for me and for yourself. Let's pray together. And I'm asking those at home and those here uh, at the sanctuary to pray for me as I pray for myself. Lord, we don't need a pep talk. We don't need a rally. We don't need a roar inside of this church. We need to hear your word. One word from you, O oh Lord, will shatter a thousand lies. One word will eliminate all fear, 
all anxiety. It will bolster our confidence. It will give us the capacity to do what we couldn't do a moment ago and what other people can't do in a lifetime. You said your sheep would hear your voice and another one they would not follow. I pray, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit on my words this morning that people could hear your voice for them today and make appropriate application that would bring about the results that would bring glory to Jesus Christ. And all God's people together said, Amen. You may be seated. Around here, you've heard me say over the years, God has a plan, God is working his plan, and God is finishing his plan. Pan back out from our temporary problem, pan out from this global challenge. I told you last week, people say we're living in unprecedented times, only for us. It wasn't unprecedented for the generations that came before us. There's always been plagues, there's always been pestilence. There's been uh, national, international, and global calamity, natural phenomenon, natural changes. The world was even destroyed by water, completely destroyed, except for Noah and his family. These are not unprecedented times. They just are for us. But separate from our nation, our great nation, with all its flaws and godlessness, there's still a remnant of those that love the Lord and fear the Lord. We need to understand that God has a plan that transcends the United States. It transcends this dispensation in which we live. He has a plan from the beginning. And it's spelled out for us. It lets us know the course of this world. It lets us know, as we see today, the signs of the times pushing us towards the, uh, a one-world government, a one-world system a one-world religion, a one-world, whether it's a currency or a commerce, uh, a currency uh, would necessitate a commerce, but a commerce would be the same thing. And all things are pushing toward that. I'm grateful for a president that is not a globalist, but a nationalist, but he's not going to be able to change the end result because the Bible tells us clearly what will come. And people will tell me, they'll say, Pastor John, don't talk about that. Talking about that makes me nervous. No, it lets us know that God is in control. If, it, if it's playing out like he said, it's going to make room for uh, a world that's shaken and in upheaval to come into a time where they say, peace, peace. And then sudden destruction will come upon the world and the great tribulation will take place. And it, the times are going to be horrible. So much so, God said that if I didn't shorten the days, no flesh would be saved. But he does shorten the days. And Jesus Christ comes back to the earth defeats the enemies of God, establishes the millennial reign for a thousand years. There will be peace and righteousness. A child will live to be a hundred years old. All of these things are coming to pass. The problem, the issue that we should be focusing on is not the one thing, I don't mean you ignore it. Of course, it's everywhere, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But that's just a small part in the plan. I, I don't have faith. Uh, my faith is not increased by catching all the six o'clock and 11 o'clock news. As a matter of fact, you know, that kind of sends you over the edge uh, if that's all you have. But when I pan back and realize God has a plan, God is working his plan and God will finish his plan. And I am a part of it. 
I am in Christ. You are in Christ. Nothing eternal will ever be lost in your life. Nothing eternal can ever be taken from you. You were bought with not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. You are the only appreciable asset. And we don't say that to give us arrogance, but confidence. For if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, will he not now freely with him give us all things? I don't need a promise that tells me I'm going to win every situation. I don't need a promise that says I will be exempt from every discomfort. I'll never experience the trial and test that the world uh, faces. I want a promise that says God, the God that I know, the God that I serve has a plan that my God is working that plan and my God will finish that plan. He cannot be hindered. He cannot be opposed in any real measure. What he says will come to pass. There hath not failed one word of all his good promises. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain. This plan God has is based on perfect knowledge. Write that down. Perfect knowledge. You've heard me do this for years. You know, you can't be at a place 25 years and not use the same illustrations. That's just the ones the Lord gave me in my journey. If I were to ask you what's two plus two plus two, everyone would say six. And I say, are you sure? I say, yeah. No, it's ten. And you say, well, John, that's ridiculous. What did it mean it's ten? Well, I forgot to tell you to add four. And you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. But that's how we live. We make our decisions and our attitudes are birthed on incomplete information. We assess what we see, what we hear on the news, what the bank account says, which they're pretty accurate. That'll say, this is what you have. The bills are coming in. This is what you need. This is what the world is saying about where we're headed. And they got all of this done. And then we say, six. Well, you're, are you sure? I'm sure. Don't you think I have common sense? Don't you think I can't assess and read, read the, the obvious before us? Well, the believer says, it sure looks like six. And as far as I can tell, it's six. But I'm going to bow my knee to the one that knows every variable that the world has not considered that the world does not mention, that the world does not have access to. And that brings a peace to my heart that his control is not based on the information given me through a, a global system. By the way, if you're hearing something seven days a week, 24 hours a day, they're wanting you to think a certain thing. I'll just leave it at that. Do we have, an, a, do we have a virus? Absolutely. Do we have a pandemic? Absolutely. But they're way more variables going on here than just that. And I know that God is orchestrating, working, maneuvering all things according to his will. My comfort does not come in the sliding graph on the six o'clock news. My comfort comes from knowing that all things are working according to his pleasure. And that's where my faith is. It's a divine plan. It's a decreed plan. It's a perfect plan, and it's an available plan for you to enter into the rest of it. It's a plan of redemption, transformation, and exaltation. One of the things God is doing in this and all the other stressful, stretching things in your life is he's transforming you into the image of his son.
Oh, I, I thought I believed, Pastor John. Well, you did. Oh, I don't think I did. Yes, but not at this level. Stressful times reveal where we are. And God is stretching us and making us go out into the deeper waters of faith. The deeper waters of trust. To where you, you have to stand down Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the burning fiery furnace. You have to stand down Nero's sword. You have to stand down the facts before you and say, I still believe the Lord and I trust him. This plan God has is an eternal plan written before the foundation of the world. This may sound silly to you, but I can't tell you how many times I've preached this to myself. Before the world was created, God knew that I would be standing here on this stage, what I'd be wearing on this day. Perfect knowledge. This divine plan is current. Specific, detailed, and interconnected. It is ever-changing without ever really changing at all. The scenery changes, but not the path and destination of God's foreknowledge and the things that he foretold. He is so great that he's weaving all that is you into his story for your eternal good and his eternal glory. I really don't have to know anything else when I know that I'm redeemed and that I'm following wholeheartedly the one that knows all things. God has a plan based on perfect knowledge. Number two, God is working his plan based on absolute control. God has a plan based on perfect knowledge, and he's working his plan based on absolute control. God is working today not just in the world and not just in the U.S. and not just about the issue that's uh, filling the news, but he's working it personally. He's working it powerfully and carefully. He's working it frugally. Nothing wasted. Pick up all the scraps left over from the feeding of the 5,000. Nothing wasted. His plan is being worked systematically and consecutively. With every living being and with every deceased person before this trial, he's working together his promises, his plans, his intentions with all the people that have ever come before you, every nation, every empire, to bring to fruition that which he had destined to bring the most glory to his son. And he's working the plan. He's working it at the perfect time, at the perfect speed, in the perfect way to fulfill his perfect will. He is working his plan according to eternal priorities and promised realities. Well, I can't see him working. That's because you might be expecting him or desiring him or petitioning him to work in a temporal way. I just don't understand, Brother John. You taught us that if we pray and we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we are to have the petitions we've desired of him. And we're going backwards during this time. We're losing our retirement during this time. I, I, don't, I don't understand how this can be good. And you say, well, God's not answering my prayer. Well, could it be that he's answering a previous prayer that was more eternally based than your temporal prayer? Could it be that people like you and I prayed years ago, whatever it takes, you keep me close to you. Whatever it takes, O oh Lord. Ring out from my life the greatest glory. Whatever it takes, O Lord, don't, don't let my life be uh, 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 like the, the fertilized tree that just brings forth nothing. God, God answers prayers based on priority, not your priority, His. Eternal prayers 
first. Because temporal prayers bring temporal results. Eternal prayers bring eternal results. I know you think I forgot about my text, but I haven't. I'm getting there. And God will finish his plan based on immeasurable power. He will finish regardless of all that has happened up to this point, regardless of the demonic, national, governmental, human opposition, regardless of obstacles, what is missing, any failures, any personal flaws, insecurities, idiosyncrasies, mistaken ideology. Nay, in all these things, everything that you see, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I want to declare to you, I want the word to go forth from this place today that I and you am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. There is no height. There is no depth. There's no creature that's ever been created that can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the I am here. I can't be separated from him, which means I can't be separated from his control. God's got it. Well, John, we're going backwards. Well, you'll go backwards with God. Well, the doctor said there's no hope. I could pass on. Then you'll pass on into his presence. The Christian's life is not bound to these temporal, fragile um, Things that are rusting and decaying before our very eyes. They're eternal realities. And God is faithful. He will finish the work he started in you. You're the only appreciable asset. You're the only thing making it into heaven. Excuse me. He will finish it on schedule. Brooke, if you would come please. He will finish it without ever breaking even one of his promises are contradicting his word. God will finish it. Listen to this. Listen, this word is going before you today. What he has planned for our nation, what he has planned for this day, what he's planned for myself, my wife, my babies, you can go as broad as you want and you can narrow it down to the smallest, to the person sitting by themselves at their kitchen counter today. The plans that he has planned for you will happen. And which brings us to kind of a problem. People quote it all the time and they, they've been taught out of context. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to do good to you and bring you to an expected end. Well, God had good plans for Stephen. And he died a martyr's death. God had good plans for Paul. He died a martyr's death. Eleven of the twelve disciples. God had a good plan for them. They lost their life. God had a good plan for Elijah. And he was caught up into heaven and he never tasted death. God had a good plan for David and he ruled. Pollen, not disease. Uh, God had a good plan for David and he ruled Israel. Known as the, the prince of Israel. He lived a long life. And fulfilled the will of the Lord in his days. But we can say that the plan was good. Not by how many years they had. Or not by how easy they had it. Or how difficult they had it. The plan was good because God finished it. And they're in his presence. 
reaping eternal rewards. My dad died when I was when he was 42. I'm 57. I've outlived him 15 years. I I don't understand that. I believe if he could speak from heaven today, he said, don't you worry about me. I entered into the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm good. I think he'd tell me today, John, don't you worry. John, years ago, I stepped into eternity and I left my wife and four babies and a quarter million dollars in debt in 1974, hospital debt. You going to take care of them? And I stepped into the next world, trusting the one that had kept me. I didn't understand all that was going on, but I knew this. My God had a plan based on perfect knowledge. My God works his plan according to perfect power. And God will finish his perfect plan because he is in absolute control. He will finish it. And every eye will see it. And... and, And every tongue will confess it. And everyone will know. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So, real quickly, back to our story. Back to the one that I haven't addressed yet. Jesus said, Simon, do the children of the king pay temple tax? Or are they exempt? He said, well, they're exempt. And he's going, okay, Simon. And I I, I identify with Simon so much. He could say something smart one minute. And then just be brain dead the next minute. Jesus is. So the sons don't pay. That's right. Oh, okay, Simon. Here's what you do. I want you to go down to the sea. 64.6 square miles of sea. Throw in a hook. And the first fish you catch, take the coin out of its mouth. And go pay the tax. All right, for those of you wired like me, time out. Where's he starting from? What part of the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, is he going to arrive at? What part of the 64.6 square miles up to a depth of 40 feet is he going to throw into? How is he going to know where the fish is? How is the fish going to get to him? Where did the fish get the coin? How long ago did the person drop the coin? How long has the fish had it in its mouth? Jesus is saying to the church today, to us, you don't need details. I am in control. I love the fact that I don't have answers. My countenance is the answer. What's going on today? Man, the world is, it's a lot of unknown. Hey, John, what about all these things? I don't know. Maybe it's time to go fishing and stand out on my word and see if I fail you. See if you'll be the first person I've ever failed, John. So the Bible doesn't tell us that it happened. But if one word of this is false, then all of it's false. So Simon walks down to the Sea of Galilee thinking that he is, listen, (laughs) thinking that he is picking a spot. Pastor John, did he pick the spot where the fish was or did God bring the fish to him? Yes. So he throws out his hook 
And I, I don't think there was bait on it. I'm not going to build a doctrine around it. People say, well, that's ridiculous. Guys who fish know what a spoon is. Just a piece of shiny metal with a hook on it. You can just throw a hook in the water. And if the sun hits it, they'll, they'll hit it. So he, Here's a man that's used to fishing with nets. Picks one spot. What is going through his mind on the way down to that sea? Two things. If I catch a fish, the first fish, and there is no coin, I have a problem. But if I catch a fish and it has a coin, I got a bigger problem. I'm walking with God Almighty. So he goes down, sets the hook, brings the fish in, opens its mouth, puts his hand in, lips the fish. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This is not something you hear and neatly divide up into your folders. It is designed to short circuit you and make you fall to your knees and say, my Lord and my God, whom should I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But John, how, 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 do you, how are we going to make it through this? I don't know how I'm going to get to the fish and I don't know how the fish is going to get to me. But I want you to leave with this one word this morning. God has a plan. God is working his plan. And God will finish his plan. I want you to uh, listen to this song we're going to play for you here. And uh, then Wade is going to come up and give you one announcement and dismiss service. So we'll play this online and in the sanctuary as well as if you can.
grateful for a day of rest to be renewed in the promises of God that he is for us that he is not against us that he is strong and mighty to accomplish everything he began and every good work he has started in you he is faithful to bring it through to completion pastor John thank you for that word this morning that reminds us that he is able that he is faithful he has a purpose and plan and he's called us into it so aren't you glad? Amen. I want to remind you uh, and thank you 